Blog Talk Radio. Hey, Chief's Kingdom, you gotta fight for your right! <laughs> From the IMLD Home Studios, in its 11th season, you are listening to, in much less detail, the podcast, where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Now your host, Jay and Ray. Hello, hello, hello. Good morning to all you good people and all you bad as well. This is In Much Less Detail, the podcast here with you live on a Sunday morning, October the 29th, 2023. I'm Dre doing what I usually do best, which is having a party all by myself. I don't get along well with others. I get along great with my best friend, Jay. He's not here. He is recovering from his week-long vacation. He got back from Florida up to Wisconsin and ran into some bad weather. Uh, So he will not be here this morning. I don't think he'll be here. He might try to join in, but I've only got the show scheduled for an hour. So we'll see if he wants to come in and have something to add to the festivities. But this is half the detail. This is even less detail than normal. This is me by myself giving you my week seven awards, best and worst, followed immediately by my week eight picks. Jay has sent me his picks as well. So I'll be able to give you both our picks, but he was not able to provide any detail at all for his picks. I have literally nothing about his picks except for what his lock is, and that's it. So you're going to have to listen to me and all my opinions, and that will rule the day for this show. I'm excited to do it by myself. I will try to not beat myself up for messing up during this entire hour being by myself, but I'm excited for the opportunity to try to get through everything all by myself. We'll see how it all works out. Hopefully, I can keep you all informed and entertained. Uh, Our Week 7 recap, as far as our records go, uh, another good week for me and another bad week for Jay, his second straight three-win week in a row. He was 3-10 and and I was 8-5, and although we both managed to screw ourselves on our locks. Uh, So that stays the same. I have four locks on the year, and he has three. Uh, we're still not over 500 for the season. Jay is falling back to 404. He's at 42 wins and 62 losses. I'm at 471, trying to climb towards 500. I'm now at 49 and 55, so a seven-game lead after seven weeks. But, of course, there's a lot of time left that can easily be erased, although I did get off to a good start for Week 8, winning Thursday night. If you follow us on Twitter, you already know that. So with that, on to our Week 7 awards, or at least my Week 7 awards. What was the best? What was the worst? The smartest? The dumbest? You know how we do it on our show. Let's go to work. Who or what was the best? Who was him for Week 7? Who do you think you are? I am. Unless you're a Dolphins fan or had money on the fish, I don't think you can argue that the best of Week 7 was that game on Sunday night. There was nothing about the Sunday night game between the Miami Dolphins and the Philadelphia Eagles that was disappointing or a letdown or anything. It was the theater that we hoped it would be. It was the good football that we thought it would be. The hype was big. The game lived up to the hype. And similar to the Buffalo win over Miami, the only two losses of the year for the Dolphins are on the road to Buffalo and to Philadelphia. Similar to that Bills game, you still saw some of the explosiveness and the danger from the Miami Dolphins before they finally withered, but you can't deny the Dolphins are still an incredible offense. They're still very, very tough to beat, but it's just something about those road environments, those huge road games. They have not been able to get it done at least these two times, Uh, but I was still uh, very entertained. I loved the intensity from both teams, both the Dolphins and the Eagles played uh, so hard. You could tell, how bad both teams wanted this game. You could tell how much it meant to them because it's one of those instances where it's 
great team versus great team, defending NFC champions versus hottest team in the league in the AFC, setting offensive records. Uh, it was one of those clashes during a regular season that you get sometimes where it's like, okay, and it's on the primetime stage, so everybody's seeing it like this is it. They knew they were the main event of the weekend, and they both played like it. Uh, so I love that atmosphere. Uh, great ball control by the Eagles to, to keep the rock away from Tua uh, and the Dolphins. They weren't running well, but they stuck to it. That's the key. You don't have to pop it off for five yards of carry. You don't have to have huge runs. You just have to keep at it and make sure that you're running that clock. Make sure you're possessing the ball. As long as you're possessing the ball, the Dolphins can't do anything with that great offense. Just keep them on the sidelines. Just win time of possession. That's all the Eagles really were trying to do. And they did not waver when Miami fought back and tied it. Dolphins had fight. They caught, They came back, and they tied that game up. And the Eagles did not change their style. They played their way. They wore down the Dolphins' defense. And, look, viva the tush-push. Long live the tush-push, the brotherly shove, whatever the hell you want to call it. It's undeniable. It's unstoppable. Uh, people try it, and, and me and Jay make fun of the people like the Giants that try to imitate it. And not only do they not succeed, but then they get their own guys injured because they don't know what the hell they're doing. Obviously, the Eagles know how to do it. Obviously, they practice it better than everybody. And obviously, they have that uh, piece of stone in the middle of all of that, that quarterback Jalen Hurts, who can apparently squat about 6,000 pounds or whatever. Uh, you hear the commentators comment, to, uh, comment on it every time they do the tush push. But that's the big key, apparently, is to have that quarterback that can handle all that pressure and all that weight from both ends and still come out of that unscathed, although he is a little scathed and a little beat up. He's not exactly 100% physically, as, as you can tell by his play. But it's still effective and it still gets the job done. So good on the Eagles for knocking off the Dolphins. It was definitely the best to me of Week 7. Great, great, the worst of Week 7 to me. You'll have to forgive me. I'm a Bears fan. So this doesn't move the needle at all for anyone listening outside of Chicago, probably. But uh, the undrafted secret Bajant man, uh, Tyler Bajant, getting a dub, that was the worst of week seven to me. That was the worst outcome just because uh, in the Vegas, Vegas had nothing for it, Chicago, the, the, the battle of the backups, the backup bowl, uh, Brian Hoyer was awful and Tyler Bajant was good enough. Uh, it's the worst of the week for me because now multiple people, multiple posts on the sports radio group that I follow on Facebook, uh, multiple people I've seen on, on Twitter, the X Twitter, whatever the hell you want to call that, are now, of course, predictably calling for Tyler Bajant to be the permanent starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears over Justin Fields. Honestly, what have we not learned any history? from the past backup quarterbacks that have been anointed in Chicago just off of one good series or one good game or uh, please spare me. Just, it, I, I know Justin Fields has been a disappointment. I know he hasn't been anywhere near perfect, but for anyone who thinks this, this kid this undrafted, nobody out of whatever college he came from uh, division two school to think that, this game management performance that he had against the Raiders. First of all, it's a terrible defense he's playing in, in the Vegas Raiders. And second of all, he didn't really do anything to win the game. He just managed to not lose it. Uh, to think that that's good enough that he needs to be taken uh, up to number one permanently over Justin Fields. I, this is the worst of the week because I knew this was going to happen. It always happens with backup quarterbacks in Chicago. They're always thought to be the guy, the next guy to get pushed up. Uh, and the fact that this Bajan guy is also like a Grabowski, basically, which is our uh, name for anyone that plays for the Bears that's white and grindy. And uh, he identifies with Chicago. He's the perfect kind of bear. He's a Grabowski. Basically, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't have to say what I'm referencing there, but you all know what that means when you say someone's a Grabowski, white and grindy. And that's the kind of guy we want over, you know, Justin Fields, the hip hop guy. Uh, all of those dog whistles is, goes along with this. This is just, they always want to elevate the backup quarterback anyway, but then you get this element added into it, and all it makes me want to do is put a shotgun in my mouth. And just, I'm, I'm over it. I'm, I'm over Tyler Bajan already, and the, the fact that he won just elevated all that. And if he wins again this week, is just going to keep elevating it. And, uh, Justin, heal that thumb up, please, and hurry back uh, as soon as possible. That, that's about all I'm looking for. 
my smartest of week seven uh, would be it's on the football field, kind of. Well, it's in the football stadium, so but it's not really about football. It's all about the optics. It's all about the publicity. In today's social media age, the smartest plays of the week were the two ladies in Arrowhead Stadium getting all the pub. That's right. When Jay listens to the show, if he's listening live or if he listens later, you are so glad you did not have to watch any part of the cha- of the uh, uh, the Chargers versus the Chiefs uh, in Kansas City because both Taylor Swift and crazy Asian lady Charger fan were both in the house. They were both in attendance for this game, and the cameras caught both of them, of course, and they're both playing their roles. They're both doing exactly what they need to do to stay on camera. Taylor Swift is slapping high fives and got a special spinning, twisting uh, high five celebration with Pat Mahomes' wife. Uh, so she's getting all involved, uh, not just sitting there and cheering and, and saying, let's fucking go. Now she's got a new move. She, it's like a, a wrestling angle. Now she's come out this week with a new angle. Now she's got the moves. Now she's got a special handshake. Uh, so she's playing the part. She's doing exactly what she needs to do to keep people looking at her crazy Asian lady. Uh, the only thing that would have made it more perfect is if she was actually in the private booth with Taylor Swift, but I guess she doesn't have that much gravitas. I guess if they find a way to meet again for a, a, a postseason matchup, uh, maybe that'll be the, the coup de grace. Maybe they'll all be in a suite together, uh, Travis Kelsey's mom and Taylor Swift and Pat Mahomes' wife, uh, and maybe Pat Mahomes Sr. shows up, the former major league pitcher, uh, and, and crazy Asian lady will be there doing all her faces. She was there Sunday. She wasn't in the box. She was in a, in the stands. Uh, she had a Buffalo wild wings hat on. And for some reason, people took that as like, Oh, and now she's cashing in on her fame because now she's giving free advertisement to Buffalo wild wings. Number one, I think Buffalo wild wings can have a lot better representation of publicity than a very cheap looking cap on the head of crazy Asian lady. I don't think they wanted that or paid for that. I think she just put that on because she grabbed the first thing in her closet. Uh, and, and number two, I don't think that would be a good way for her to cash in on her fame is saying, I'm going to give some fast food chain some publicity by putting a cap on my head. I think she can do a lot better than that and monetize herself a lot better than that. She should be in a full body suit for, for a chain that can pay a lot more money than Buffalo Wild Wings. So I don't think that was publicity at all. I honestly think she just grabbed that cap out of her closet. The point is, great publicity, great job by both of those ladies to make sure that the football game was about them uh, and not about the actual game. I'm getting more and more convinced by the day that that Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey thing is kind of publicity on both of their parts, and they're both just kind of in it for the publicity and not really caring about each other very much. Jay called that. If that winds up being what the case is, uh, Jay said from the get-go that he felt that that was a, a whole publicity stunt and that none of it felt real. And uh, the more and more goes on, I'm starting to kind of lean his way a little bit on that. Don't, 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 As far as the dumbest of week seven, uh, in honor of Jay, it's my week to talk about bad refereeing. Uh, in tribute to Jay, because he loves talking about the terrible referees uh and i understand that a lot of it is is bad but a lot of it is good and most of it is good and it's it's very difficult so i I try not to jump on them too much but when it's bad it's bad and it was really bad in week seven the indianapolis colts get hosed on some bad calls as they lose a wild one to the cleveland browns there was a, a pass interference on a ball so far over the end zone that Yao Ming couldn't have jumped up to get it. it I, that one I watched live. I was like, really? They're not going to pick that flag up? That No one could have caught that ball. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar couldn't have reached up and caught that ball. Uh, Jim said the Colts owner, uh, the mad tweeter, as Tony Kornheiser likes to call him, was displeased, to put it mildly, and let everybody know, of course, on Twitter. Then there was the Steelers-Rams finish. Woof. Um, there was a lot of drama uh, in that fourth quarter sneak by uh, by Kenny Smallhands. Kenny Pickett should have been ruled short uh, on a fourth down, fourth quarter sneak where the Steelers are trying to put that game away. If they get the first down, they can kneel out the clock and, and run it out. The game would be over because the Rams had no timeouts left. Uh, it was not ruled short. 
the uh, officials gave him the first down. They brought out the chain gang and said, by the nose of the football, Kenny Pickett uh, snuck and got the first down. All the replays show Kenny being down, uh, his knee being down well before he got to the first down marker, maybe a half yard before he got there. Uh, but the Rams could not challenge. Sean McVay had no timeouts left. They had used all their timeouts trying to save time in, or, in case they got the ball back, right? So that's not dumb at all, but it's kind of dumb that now you can't challenge a play that should have been something that you could challenge and get overturned on a fourth down play. They had no timeouts, so they couldn't challenge. They're screaming bloody murder, but you know what? First of all, they should have put the Steelers down when they had the chance. Again, this is the game. I said this is exactly the kind of game the Steelers and Mike Tomlin win, where they had no business winning a game that the Rams were outplaying the Steelers with somehow – the Steelers find a way to win the game. I even locked against the Steelers knowing that Mike Tomlin was going to bend me over and fuck me on it. And that's exactly what he did. Uh, sorry for my language. The uh, kiddies are listening. Uh, but I, I knew they were going to screw me on that. So the Rams got screwed. They screwed themselves. Uh, they should have put Pittsburgh out when they had the chance. Uh, they also got screwed because that rule is one that I don't think is going to get changed. But I could see uh, an argument to be made that they need to have a way to fix that where that can be like challenged by New York when it's something that all the replays in the world are showing, hey, this is wrong. I thought the point of replay was to get plays right. This is clearly wrong. Even though L.A. can't challenge because they don't have any timeouts left, there should be a mechanism in place for New York to say, uh, guys, guys, stop the game. We're, we're going to look at that. We're going to decide that we need to look at that and overturn this, even though the Rams can't challenge. I, I think Sean McVay almost thought that there was going to be a way to do that because all plays are challengeable under two minutes. But because that play happened before the two-minute warning officially hit, they couldn't do that. They couldn't have the uh, official replay from New York. But I think Sean McVay almost thought, like, well, the clock's going to hit two minutes. So at that point, it can be challenged because there won't be another play ran before that, right? No, because the play happened because it commenced before the two-minute warning, it can't be automatically challenged by New York. There, it feels like there should be a way to, to change that. Uh, and finally, the Rams fucked themselves because of the, the kicker. There I go with the, the language again. I apologize. Um, Brad Maher missed two field goals and an extra point in the game that the Rams lost by seven. Very plainly, they could have won that game on multiple levels, uh, the kicker being uh, another way that they could have won, and Maher got himself cut uh, immediately after that, or well, not immediately, but maybe a couple of days after that. So uh, he got what he deserved ultimately, but there were a number of ways that the Rams could have won that game, but the refereeing being the dumbest uh, of week seven, uh, there, there's got to be a better way to fix some of those issues. I know you can't get everything right, uh, but some of those I think could have been fixed in ways that the challenges system uh, does not currently address in my opinion. Hey, what happened? My biggest surprise of week seven how about the thorough beatdown by the Ravens on the Lions? That was a pretty big surprise. Uh, how about Lamar Jackson getting almost 10 seconds to throw a touchdown pass and choosing to wait to throw it to Nelson Aguilar? Because all these years of Lamar Jackson being in the league, you give him that much time back there, he's going to eventually just take off and run because that's what he wants to do anyway. This is This is different. This is a different – Ravens offense, he actually held the ball the whole time and waited for a receiver to come open and throw the touchdown pass. That That's a wow. That's a big wow. The, the fact that the Ravens beat up the Lions the way they did is a wow, but that's an even bigger wow almost to me is Lamar Jackson actually standing there and having patience in the offense, in the Todd Munkin offense. That's a wow, and that's an uh-oh for the rest of the league because if Lamar Jackson has learned that piece of quarterbacking skill – that he doesn't have to take off all the time, that he can actually wait out the defense and wear them down and wait for his receivers to come open, that he actually has receivers they can trust to get open. I don't know if you can trust Nelson Aguilar for too long because you know eventually he'll have the big drop for you, but he's already done that this year. But apparently he's got enough of a receiving core that he can trust. He can wait for them to get open and make the big touchdown passes. Uh, that was that was huge. Congratulations, uh to, to the to the Baltimore Ravens, that late season Ravens collapse hasn't happened yet. It, it probably will eventually. Time tells us that it will happen. Just be patient. Eventually the Ravens are going to Raven and you get that music. 
But not yet. They destroyed Detroit. Lamar looks great in the new offense. D is operating on God's level, too. That's another huge key for the Ravens. They have the usual litany of injuries on their defense, but right now they're overcoming it and just playing an elite level of defense. There's nothing the Lions could do on Sunday. They were outclassed in every way uh, against the Baltimore Ravens. Where was the Lions pass rush? You know, that's another thing to worry about with them. If Aiden Hutchinson isn't getting there, they can go to sleep. Uh, and that's a big key. If the Lions want to take that next step uh, and go to the next level, they need to figure out how to get some pressure uh, when Aiden Hutchinson isn't the uh, the big the big factor that he can be uh, for the pass rush. All right, my letdown of week seven, one, three. That's three games. For the Buffalo Bills, after the massive victory over their burgeoning division rival, the Miami Dolphins, and they've done diddly poo. That's four games if you count uh, Thursday night, but at the time that I was doing my awards, that was three games with the Sunday game uh, that they had not had any inspiring play since that Miami Dolphins victory. They go to England and they can't survive the Jags. They come home on Sunday night, and they almost trip and fall to Tyrod Taylor and the Giants uh, in a game that the Giants had several opportunities uh, to pull off that upset. And then this ex- this effort Sunday in, in Foxborough, Massachusetts, wow, what a letdown that was. And, you know, as happens uh, in divisional rivalry games, sometimes New England comes out uh, intent on, on riding the ship and, and – Buffalo and the Bills, they, they don't match the intensity. That happens sometimes in division games, that the team that's obviously not as good comes out fired up, ready to, to avenge themselves and tell everybody, hey, this is who we are, this is what we're about. And the Patriots haven't done that all year. We've talked about that. Uh, Bill Belichick's Patriots have looked like one of the worst teams in the league for a good portion of the season, and that's not what they look like on Sunday. They had every – bit of fight that you could hope for. The Bills uh, kind of matched it. They they woke up at some point. They didn't match it uh, early, but the Bills woke up and scored twice in a couple of minutes to take a fourth quarter lead. And it's like, okay, there's Buffalo doing what they're supposed to do. So they had the game in control at that point. All you got to do is shut down Mac Jones and the Patriots offense. They didn't shut down Mac Jones and the Patriots offense. They let the Patriots drive all the way to the one-yard line uh, for a Mac Jones game winner to Mike Gesicki on National Tight Ends Day, uh, which I guess makes perfect sense if you believe in such things. Where's National Running Backs Day, by the way? Uh, it, that's that's three straight subpar efforts for Buffalo, and really, again, four, counting Thursday night, which is why I took Tampa in the points and got away with, uh, with a victory there, even though Buffalo won the game. But anyway, uh, after the Miami game, three, now four straight. What, what What's the difference? What's the deal? What's the difference with Buffalo – when they can put together that effort against the Miami Dolphins and then come out with now four straight games where they're just, they're not themselves. They're off kilter. The the offense isn't uh, smooth the way it's supposed to be. I, the defense, I kind of give a pass. I understand all the injuries that they've had. When you think about uh, cornerbacks, linebackers, uh, off, uh, defensive linemen, edge rushers, everybody is getting a little bit of, of the injury bug for the Buffalo Bills and big time players too. It's not just, Scrubs, but you know, Tredavious, when you talk about Tredavious White and and uh, the the linebacker uh, makes all the the plays happen. Matt Milano, uh, those are some huge huge uh, injuries in the defensive end for the Buffalo Bills, but it's still just aggravating. It's, they could not get a stop when they needed it against the Patriots. That's the Patriots. That same team shut eventually shut down the Miami Dolphins in their record setting offense. And then Sunday they couldn't shut down the New England Patriots when they needed to have a stop. Just the whole field. The Patriots drove the whole field to win that game. Uh, I, I was I was watching that live and I was just shaking my head. I could not believe it. So uh, very much uh, a letdown looking at the uh, Buffalo Bills. And, and they still haven't gotten it together. I know they won against Tampa Bay, but they're still uh, letting letting us down and kind of struggling uh, to use a phrase, but that leads to my actual award struggling for week seven. It wasn't necessarily the Bills, but they could have won that too. But suddenly, the San Francisco 49ers are struggling. There's a plot twist. Who saw that coming? The 49ers 
and and after that that undefeated start and Brock Purdy can't lose and all of that and then they lose one game uh, to the Cleveland Browns in that dingy, dirty, muddy game up in in Cleveland. Uh, okay, you can kind of see that the Browns defense is is elite and uh, they were able to hold down Brock Purdy long enough for the uh, for the offense to do just enough to win that game. Okay, it's an upset, uh, but you can kind of understand it a little bit. I actually was a lot more surprised by the Vikings taking them out on Monday night, even though the Vikings have a much better offense than the Browns. I still didn't didn't expect them to outperform the 49ers. The the, the weather was not a factor. You're indoors. You're up in uh, in Minneapolis in that beautiful dome that they built up there. But I thought that would kind of solve things for the 49ers and allow Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan uh, to get that offense back on track. Uh, and it didn't happen. Brock Purdy decided to become careless, throwing INTs and, and more balls that could have been INTs. The, the turnover-worthy play factor was very high for Brock Purdy, which, of course, it has not been his entire professional career, and that's allowed him to put together such a great record to start his career. But now two straight L's, two straight uh underwhelming performances and now the Niners offense, which I kind of thought was struggle proof uh, is now struggling. Uh, Kirk Cousins clearly outplays Brock Purdy and the Vikings take down the 49ers. Now that's a little uh, shows you a little bit of how incredible the Niners and Brock Purdy's run has been that the Niners were seven point favorites, six and a half point favorites to go into Minnesota and win, even though Kirk Cousins is a hell of a lot more accomplished quarterback career-wise than Brock Purdy that just shows how great the Niners system and Purdy has been uh, since he took over as a starter and yet the Vikings got it done and Kirk Cousins got it done and primetime Kirk Cousins got it done and that was uh, a big surprise we all know how terrible Kirk Cousins record has been uh, in those national nighttime primetime matchups and it was brought up on prominent shows on gambling shows before the game hey we know something. there's something about primetime. There's something about night games. Kirk Cousins doesn't have it. Well, he had it. He absolutely had it to the tune of 378 yards through the air, uh, leading Vikings to that five-point victory uh, on Monday night. So give it up for Kirk Cousins uh, and the Minnesota Vikings. You like that? You like that? You know they liked all of that, but still a bit of a surprise that they were able to take out the Niners. So now we're kind of wondering, when do the Niners get their mojo back? Will it be this week against the Bengals? Who knows what kind of game that's going to be? So we'll get to our picks for that a little later on. But, yeah, that's my struggling is the Niners. Kind of what's happening with them? All of a sudden uh, they go from can't be beat to now they can't win. They got two in a row that I think a lot of people did not expect to see that happen. That almost is a WTF, but not quite. What is my Danielle for this week? What made me say WTF in week seven? The Arizona Cardinals had many chances to take down the Seattle Seahawks, but Josh Dobbs couldn't do it outside of a touchdown run. So on fourth down at midfield with five minutes to go in the fourth quarter, a specific play made me go, what the fuck was that? Head coach Jonathan Gannon allowed his special teams coordinator Jeff Rogers to call a fake punt with backup quarterback Clayton Toon throwing a four-yard pass to Michael Wilson, which would have been great on fourth and three. Unfortunately, it was fourth and nine. What? What are you doing? Why? Why? First of all, why are you calling a fake punt? If you're going to go for it, go for it. And second of all, why would you call a fake punt and have a pass thrown that short on fourth and nine and just hope that you can put it to, if you could put it together on a short pass like that and get a first down, you would, you, you would have been able to do that throughout the whole game. You would have done that already if you had the kind of offense that could put together anything to, to move the ball on fourth and nine. But that play, it looked fucked up from the jump, uh, and only a desperate team would have even tried something like that. That was the only reaction I could have had when I saw that. What the what the fuck? Come on. So that's the Arizona Cardinals for you. They they put up all the fight that they could uh, early in the year. They keep kind of fighting, keep scrapping, but it's resulted in now a one and six record. So uh, and they they screwed me on that pick because they 
gave up a late field goal based off the terrible field position of that terrible decision uh, to have that fake punt. Uh, and that field goal put Seattle over the top to cover seven and a half. They were only up seven at that point, but the extra field goal late was able to put them over to give Jason one of his two wins over me for the week. So as bad as it was, could have been worse. I'm sure Jay would say it could have been much better. There was a lot of games that he could have won uh, that he wound up losing, but at least one game that he won that he maybe should have lost. Some really bad play calling as far as I'm concerned there. Not not a very impressive effort by Seattle, but it, it doesn't take much these days, I guess, to subdue Arizona. Josh Dobbs had many chances to do something, um, and, and he just couldn't get it done. They had opportunities, so that's where the Cardinals are right now. They're one of those teams that they get the chance, and they just can't get it done. But Kyle Murray, Kyler Murray, uh, is, is on his way back. Not going to be this week. He was practicing, but he's not going to get out there. So one more game this week for Josh Dobbs. We'll see uh, if I like the Cardinals to put forth one more good effort uh, and and maybe get a a backdoor cover in that one. All my week eight picks. uh, Again, I got Jay's picks, but I got no details on his picks. So I'll just be giving you his picks with with no opinion of his at all. You'll have to hear all my opinions, uh, and you'll be able to do that whenever I find where I have the plugs and play them for you. Oh, there they are. Uh, Here's me again for the next two minutes. You are listening live to In Much Less Detail, the podcast. Not on the radio, but only here on the website, blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail. To be notified when we're live, you can follow the show on the Blog Talk Radio website, or you can follow my Twitter feed at IMLDDre when I tweet out when we're live before every show. Jason is on Twitter, too. His feed is at IMLDJTG. Our show is available as a podcast where you get the live show and a special VIP after show. To listen to the show as a podcast about an hour or so after the live show is over, come back to the show page and look through our archives or subscribe on iTunes or any number of different podcasting apps, including player.fm, Mixcloud, Blueberry, and the TuneIn Radio app. You'll get the whole show, the live show and the after show, downloaded straight to you. You can always send us a question or comment or shout out via email to the following email address, inmuchlessdetail at gmail.com. You can follow all of our picks on our blog. The website for the blog is inmuchlessdetail.blogspot.com. Our Thursday night picks will be available Thursday afternoon on our Twitter feeds. Again, that's at IMLDDre and at IMLDJTG. This copyrighted broadcast is a production of Jay and Me and is solely performed for our entertainment as well as for any poor soul who happens to be listening. It is intended to be a football pick show for the private non-commercial use of our audience. Any publication, reproduction, retransmission, or any other use of the descriptions and accounts of this podcast without the express written consent of Jay or me is strictly prohibited. Again, if you are following us on Twitter, you know about our Thursday night pick, which was Buffalo by nine and a half over Tampa Bay. Jay had the Bills to rally up and put down the Bucks, and I took Tampa with the points. On a last-second touchdown to Mike Evans, Tampa is able to sneak within six of the Bills and cover that number. And Jay was texting me about some of the shenanigans there. Uh, should have been some offensive pass interference calls, should have been maybe some other defensive calls that went against Buffalo on that last Tampa drive that could have maybe been overlooked. Uh, Extending the drive, uh, that was a long, I think it was like 16, 17 plays on that last Tampa drive to come back and cover that number. So uh, Jay was not happy. Uh, I know that much. I'm sure that'll be in his awards for maybe the worst of week eight when he comes back to the show next week. But the fact remains, uh, I started off the week with a W over Jay. Uh, We don't have too many more that we're going to be battling on for these other Sunday and Monday picks because we're only different on four. So not a lot of disagreeing when it comes to these other games for week eight. But again, you get to hear my thoughts and my opinions on week eight, and I'll give you Jay's picks next to those as well. Let's get to work. The Dallas Cowboys hosting the Los Angeles Rams. Cowboys coming off their bye. They are 4-2, and 2-0 and oh at home, and the Rams 3-4, and four, but 
two of those wins on the road, so maybe they'll be ready to give the Cowboys a, a bit of a fight, uh, to give some more Daryl Henderson in their life at running back, the Rams do. Uh, and he's played pretty good for them, so we'll see how that works out for L.A. Uh, they are seven-point underdogs at Dallas. By the way, these spreads are from BetMGM as of last night, uh, about 9 o'clock Central Time, so I don't know if they're going to be – materially different. I know they're like a half point off from when Jason uh, sent me his picks, but I don't think they're going to be too much of a difference. Um, as far as this one, this is pretty straight up a, a touchdown. Do you like the Cowboys by a touchdown or more over the Rams? Jay does. Jay's got the Cowboys. I don't. I'm taking the points. Here's where missing Trayvon Diggs can really hurt the Cowboys. They aren't gambling on a lot of throws uh, at least they shouldn't be. I don't, I don't think they will, uh, because if they do, Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua uh, will absolutely destroy them. Matthew Stafford obviously has a great connection with these two guys. I think they'll burn the Cowboys uh, if they make too many jumps on too many balls. I think they, they can't help it. That's their style. That's their the, the, the defense's gambling style. Uh, we get the light and fast guys up front trying to create pressure and trying to make the uh, Rams make mistakes. And I think Stafford's enough of a veteran to avoid that just enough uh, to keep the score within a touchdown. I think it's going to be a firefight. I, I like the over. I think both teams wind up in the 30s uh, for this one. But, uh, you know, Dallas can come out on top. I can absolutely see that, but I will take L.A. Uh, and take the seven points. Uh, on the other side of a firefight would be Minnesota-Green Bay. Um, not ne- you know, not necessarily because the Vikings' offense is that bad, but the Packers is kind of bad. Uh, and the the, uh, the elements might be kind of bad. We got the chilly rain in the forecast up there uh, in Wisconsin. Uh, and I think it's some of that weather is why Jay isn't here. I think he was going to make the effort uh, to get here uh, on the show this morning. But uh, he said the weather was so bad coming back from his vacation last night. So I really don't know. I don't know if he's home or if he's if they got a hotel room somewhere near home and just hunkered down for the night. And now they're trying to battle back this morning, but the weather is not very pretty up there. That much I know uh, might've been some freezing rain overnight, something like that. In any event, uh, the Vikings are three and four. The Packers are two and four. Uh, Minnesota also has two of their three wins on the road, got their first home win last Monday night. So maybe some momentum there Uh, for the Packers, their cornerback Jair Alexander may be able to return from his back injury this week. Uh, but it looks like their tight end, Luke Musgrove, will have to sit uh, with his ankle injury. Is it Musgrave or Musgrove? I sincerely apologize that I haven't learned his kid's name yet. He's a rookie. He's got a chance to make us all remember his name. You know, that the thing about names, if I can digress and, and go non-secular for a second, uh, that's the, the thing about uh, fame and publicity, uh, not just in sports, but in, in you know, politics, world leaders, uh, artists, anything – you can learn the craziest, wildest. There's no excuse. The way the reason I think about this is because when people uh, intentionally mispronounce the vice president's first name, which is Kamala, uh, and call her all sorts of things outside of Kamala, you learn the craziest names when people do things to make you learn their name. There's no reason any of us should know how to pronounce Giannis Antetokounmpo, but we do because he's that damn good and he's elite. Uh, yes, Joe, he's, he's elite. Uh, Lou in Jersey didn't know if he's elite or not, uh, but he is. Um, I don't know why I called him Joe. Um, there's no reason we should know uh, some of these other crazy names, Detlef Shrimp and, and other names like that, but they make you learn their names. They make you learn their pronunciation, how to spell them, everything like that because of how great they are. So Luke Musgrave or Musgrove, I don't know your name quite yet, but if you're great enough, you will make me learn your name eventually. Anyway, that was definitely a non-sequitur trip. Back to our regularly scheduled program. The Vikings are a very, very slight favorite, minus one at Green Bay. It's as slight as you can get. I'm sure you can find books that will give you a half a point, uh, Minnesota minus a half. Uh, I've I've never seen it yet, but I think it exists out there somewhere because I've seen everything else pretty much in all these sports books. But I haven't seen it for a a pre-game yet, before the game. Like maybe during the game, live betting, you can probably get Minnesota minus a half. But anyway, they're minus one right now. And uh, this one we're going to go with each other. Me and Jay are both going to take the Vikings. That Packers offense uh, leaves a lot to be desired. Typical Wisconsin weather. Uh, it should slow down the Vikes a little bit. I don't think they're going to go crazy, obviously, without Justin Jefferson still. But it's just it's Jordan Love facing Brian Flores' blitzes. I think 
he'll be under too much pressure to, to get any kind of rhythm going. Um, I want to take Green Bay and Packer weather, but they're still just terrible defending the run. So I think that's going to be another issue is the Vikings will uh, – the, the Vikings are no good at running the football so far this year, but I think they'll be better today than they normally are because the, Vikings, because the Packers are still bad uh, on run defense. Uh, so I think the Vikings are going to win a tough one. It's going to be a game definitely not typical of, a, of the Minnesota Vikings, but I think they're going to pull out a low-scoring rough affair up in Green Bay. The Atlanta Falcons face the Tennessee Titans. Falcons are four and three. Really? Okay, good for them. Uh, and the Titans are two and four and struggling and fighting off trade rumors, which is fair. There's a lot of rumors about Derrick Henry maybe getting moved and other guys. Uh, and that's fair because they already started the, the ball rolling and, and dealt uh, their best safety uh, buyer to Philadelphia for, for a bag of balls, basically. So. Uh, it's fair to wonder if the Titans are about to go full fire sale, and maybe after this game we'll see. If the, if the Falcons come into Nashville and take them down, then that might be the start of something. Uh, we know the Titans have quarterback issues. They're coming off their bye, but we knew Ryan Tannehill wouldn't be ready off the bye off of that ankle injury. Uh, so we've been hearing, and it's been building up for two weeks, and we know that the quarterback is going to be Will Levis, because they don't trust Malik Willis, because they saw that last year and said, oh, Jesus, he's no good. But there's going to be some Malik Willis sprinkled in. Apparently, there's going to be some packages that the Titans try to run uh, using Malik Willis. They just can't use him for the whole game at quarterback because he sucks. Um, and Traylon Burks will be back to maybe give some uh, effort there and help out poor Will Levis. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, as we know, I mean, this is pretty easy. We're both, uh, Jay and I are both going to take the Falcons and give the two and a half that the Falcons are favored by in Nashville. Because as we know, if you're playing two quarterbacks or pretending like you have two quarterbacks, that means you have no quarterbacks. Yeah, I'm sure Jay was saying that right along with me uh, whenever he heard that. Um, but yeah, got to go uh, Fred Smith's kid bringing Atlanta back home. Uh, the more run-heavy offense that hates his quarterback. He built that in Tennessee and then took it to Atlanta, so now he brings it back home to Tennessee. Uh, the Falcons, I don't know if they hate their quarterback more than Tennessee hates theirs. Obviously, they're not rotating Desmond Ritter in with somebody else. I guess they like theirs better than, than the Titans like theirs. I don't know. Uh, I know the Titans can't win if Derrick Henry doesn't have one of those games, and I, I love Derrick Henry to death. I think he's going to be a Hall of Famer. I love his running style. But I just don't know if he has one of those games still in him. Um, and this is another game the Atlanta defense has to win, the high-paid uh, Falcons defense that Jay talked about before the season. they got to earn their keep. they got to earn their money. I think you got to do that against uh, – Mayonnaise and his coffee boy, Will Levis and Malik Willis. you got to earn your money there. So I, I'll take Atlanta uh, and give the two and a half, and so will Jason. Uh, we're going to disagree on the next game. It's the Saints and the Colts. They're both three and four. Uh, New Orleans, two and two on the road. Colts only one and three so far at home. Uh, Zach Moss, the running back, is a little beat up for the Colts. So I don't know if he's going to play or not, but even if he does, Jonathan Taylor should be ready to roll and, and – reassert his role as the number one guy. I think he kind of did that last week. Like, I'm the man. I'm, you know, I should have been the man the whole time, despite the whole you know, contract situation. Uh, another road, slight road favorite. Saints are minus one and a half uh, at Indy. And Jay's going to take the Indianapolis Colts. Certainly understandable. Um, I'm listening to the Pro Football Focus podcast, and they brought up the league leader in quarterback turnover-worthy plays this year is already Minshew Mania. He's only had three starts. He already leads the league in, in turnover. He loves throwing that thing up, boy. You can't win if you don't throw it up sometimes. I get that, but you can't be reckless with it either. I think he has. I think they said he has 15 turnover-worthy throws in three starts. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, so I, I trust the Saints' defense. Uh, I'm a big fan of Dennis Allen, and I think – they will uh, take advantage of such careless play in the dome. Um, although it would be not hard to see the Colts doing that to Derek Carr, making him make some mistakes and taking advantage of that. So I see why Jay has the Colts. I understand it, but I'm going to take the New Orleans Saints and give the one and a half. Uh, New England against Miami. Uh, the Pats are two and five. Uh, I can't believe they won last week still. Uh, and the Dolphins are five and two. Uh, this one uh, was 
played in week two. These two teams had a uh, divisional matchup already. Miami went up to New England and won 24-17. Tua still owns Belichick. Tua Tango-Vailoa has never lost. There's another name that you learn just because of the, of the greatness of the player. Uh, Tua Tango-Vailoa uh, still has never lost to Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Though New England put up a hell of a fight in that game in week two. Uh, they played three safeties across and they're like, you're not going deep on us. They just completely denied Miami the deep ball. They made Tua beat them by sort of nitpicking and uh, you know dunk, dinking and doinking his way down the field in between the the zone defense. Um, and but they they definitely took away the big play. Um, and I don't know if they're going to do that again. But I, I feel like if they do, old uh, autistic boy himself, Mike McDaniel is going to have an answer for that. I feel like. He's the type that sort of obsesses over that type of stuff, and he'll have something. Uh, they're back at home. The Dolphins are a different team, of course, at home than they are on the road. Uh, Dolphins are eight-and-a-half-point favorites in this one, um, and Jay and I are both going to take the fish. Uh, we both know that they're different at home. A lot of missing defenders for New England uh, injury-wise uh, from that first game with Miami. Uh, a lot of guys gotten hurt for the Patriots since then. That and the fish back home should see Miami uh, sort of get right and come back from that uh, Eagles game last week and right the ship. Uh, yeah, I like Mike McDaniel to answer the the Pats D and what, whatever that was that they were doing to shut down Tyreek Hill uh, and the and the Dolphins. Somehow I feel like they're going to have an answer for it. So Jay and I will both take Miami and give the eight and a half. The Battle of New York, even though the game's in New Jersey, uh, Jets and Giants in Meadowlands Stadium. Giants are technically the, the home team. Of course, it doesn't matter because they play in the same stadium. Uh, Jets are three and three. Giants are two and five. Uh, Danny Dimes has still got a messed up neck, so it's going to be more uh, Tyrod Taylor, a quarterback for the Giants. They still don't have their left tackle, Andrew Thomas. So no matter who's playing quarterback, they're still going to have protection issues for whoever's back there. Uh, and the, uh, the Jets will have their cornerbacks. Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed back from injury. They had to buy a week to heal up, so they both are expected to be back on the field for this one. Supposed to be sloppy, uh, some rain up there uh, in New York for this one, so not going to be pretty. Uh, Probably should take the under there as well. Although I hesitate because the Jets' defense is such that they might make enough plays uh, to make that score go over. Like if you get enough short fields for the Jets' offense – you know, if they're starting drives at the 20 or the 10 because of interceptions or fumbles, uh, even Zach Wilson can convert some of those into touchdowns. Uh, so with that, uh, Jay and I are both going to take Gang Green. They are three-point favorites uh, on the road, technically on the road, uh, at the Giants. Um, but basically a home game. Probably going to sound like a home game. Uh, either way, it's a home game because when the Giants do something, you're going to hear a lot of cheers. And when the Jets do something, you're going to hear a lot of cheers. So basically sort of a home game for both of them and a road game for both of them. Uh, but Jay and I are both going to take uh, the Jets in that one. Uh, I, I think we could take New York and just say, you know, I got New York either way. No, uh, same question for the Jets. Can their D mess up the opponent more than the other D messes up Zach Wilson? So I just don't think the G-men get nearly as much pressure on Zach as the uh, as a talent would say that they would. Kayvon Thibodeau should be in the backfield every play because he looks like he could be that good. But we go back to the draft when he was drafted. Like his motor was questioned. Like he's not there every play and he's got the talent to be, but he's just not motivated. And I think that's sort of borne out so far uh, in his career because you see him get back there. It's like, whoa, how did he get back there that fast? So if he could do that every play, he, he would be, uh, he'd be an all pro for sure, but he just doesn't. So uh, we're both going to take uh, Gang Green in that one. Jacksonville plays Pittsburgh. The five and two Jags visit the four and two Steelers. Uh, Jags will once again not have Zay Jones, the wide receiver with a knee injury. Uh, I, I only bring him up every week because he was such a, a weapon last year for the Jaguars. He was not, you know, making huge plays every game, but he was a guy that you had to account for. He hasn't been there this year, so it's resulted in like a clear hierarchy being developed for the receivers uh, for Jacksonville. Clearly Trevor Lawrence goes to uh, Ridley first, Calvin Ridley. uh, And he really shouldn't be there. He should still be on the Falcons if not for the stupid gambling stuff. Um, And then clearly goes to uh, number two. Uh, I almost got through the whole show without having a brain fart. Um, The the second wide receiver for the Jags. Uh, Christian Kirk, 
is, is his name. Um, and so that's clearly uh, the order that they've uh, settled on. And they're not great all you know all the time, not every week, but they're they're good enough. The Jags are 14th in the league right now in passing uh, in yards per game, and I think that's about where they belong. Uh, but I know that Trevor Lawrence could do better. Um, they, they they can be top 10, um, and we'll see if he gets there uh, as the year goes on. As far as this game goes. Pittsburgh's got more, multiple cornerbacks dinged up, including uh, Joey Porter's kid. Um, so I'm going to take the Jags uh, and give the one and a half on the road. It's another very small road favorite in this one. Um, I, I, I like uh, – I know there's going to be rain there too, so it might be a sloppy situation. But kind of like last week with the Steelers in L.A., we know the Steelers can't go to the ground uh, in – it wasn't bad weather in LA, but I was just kind of talking my way through that game last week. Why I wound up with the Rams and locking them up. Like the Steelers aren't going to outthrow uh, Matthew Stafford, and they can't run the ball, so it's got to be LA, right? And of course, they did not outthrow Matthew Stafford, and they didn't run the ball, and they still found a way to win. They can't outthrow Trevor Lawrence either, and they're not going to outrun the Jags. So again, <laughs> I'm not going to lock up the Jags. First of all, I can't lock up against the team. Twice, that's a rule that we made. Uh, you can't lock against the same team two weeks in a row, and you can't lock for the same team as well two weeks in a row. Uh, but just, again, logically, it's got to be the Jags, right? They, they're not going to be beat offensively by Kenny Smallhands and uh, Najee Harris and the Steelers. They just don't have the juice to, to do that. So uh, I'm going to take the Jags. Uh, don't feel great about it. Um, I don't know how they found that. I don't know how they found a way to win that game in LA. I really don't know how the Steelers won that. Will Matt Canada figure out the Jags defense? Will the Jags dominate and lose anyway? I, I don't know. Uh, but Jay's going to go with the Steelers. So that's one of the games that we're different on. Um, and it's probably a just because pick for him. because I, I think he knows that the Steelers aren't as good as the Jaguars, uh, just like I do. But they find a way. They win these games. So uh, I'm going to go with the Jags, and he's going to go with the Steelers. All right, NFC East action, Eagles and the Commanders up in D.C. or Maryland or wherever they actually play. Uh, Philadelphia now 6-1, and one, Washington 3-4. and four. Uh, Red Stripe has a hammy. Our guy Red Stripe, uh, the big man in the middle, Jordan Davis. Uh, so I don't know if he's going to be playing for the Eagles, but if he does, he'll, he'll be hobbling around out there. Uh, Eagles are still the big favorite on the road. They are giving a full touchdown. Uh, in week four, the Eagles could not beat the potato skins at home. By a touchdown, they had to go to overtime and beat them by a field goal, 34 to 31. It was definitely an off day for the Eagles' defense. They gave up 400 yards of offense to the Washington Commanders, uh, but they rallied back and got the W. So good for them. But they definitely did not did not cover the number. We both are going to take the Eagles anyway to cover the number and come back. Uh, they, they came back from their loss to the Jets a couple weeks ago. They came back last week and got it done. Uh, over Miami, very impressive performance. We know what the Eagles can do when they're motivated, uh, and we know this is a divisional matchup, uh, but they've already gotten the best of Washington once, um, and I guess we both don't think that they're going to get the, the best of Washington again. They're not going to let Washington get the best of them. I refuse to believe in the Skins putting up 31 on Philly again, and Philly should get boosted off of last week. Uh, if there's ever any doubt that they can hang with the best, they, they certainly proved it to everybody on Monday night last week, so we're both going to take the Eagles, give the seven. The Houston Texans and the Carolina Panthers in – an anticipated, can you, can you say that, matchup of the number one and number two draft picks from this year, Bryce Young versus C.J. Stroud. And obviously, C.J. Stroud has played much better thus far. Uh, Houston is 3-3, three and three, very surprising, 3-3. Three and three. Carolina is 0-6, and, and boy, who knows when they're going to get that first W. Uh, both teams coming off the bye, by the way. I, I think this is how it should always be. There's always an even number of teams um, bye. If I were running the schedule, I would have all the teams that come off a of bye play each other the very next week, just to make it fair. There's no reason not to. Uh, excuse me while I cough. All right. Yeah, I, that's, that's just how I feel. One of those weird uh, idiosyncrasies for me. Uh, Houston's got Receiver issues, Robert Woods is down, uh, tight end Brevin Jordan is down, but Tank Dell has been cleared from concussion, so he's ready to come back 
for the Texans as far as Carolina. Brian Burns has a trade. Den- I mean, he's got an elbow situation, so he might be limited or might not play today. Uh, we'll see how that works out. Miles Sanders should come back and play from his shoulder injury at running back. Uh, Houston, of course, is the favorite here, uh, minus three and a half in Charlotte. And yet we're both taking the Carolina Panthers. Not exactly sure why I'm taking them. I definitely don't know why Jay's taking them because he didn't, again, give any uh, explanations for his pick. But, you know, Bryce Young will be as motivated as possible versus C.J. Stroud. Uh, he's still bad. I understand he's still not very good. He might not be bad forever, but he's clearly bad right now. But I guess I'm taking Carolina because, like, they got to win here. Like, if they don't win here, I don't know if they're going to have a win at all. They might be staring down 0-17 if they don't get this win. So just out of the motivation of not embarrassing himself, I'm going to take uh, Bryce Young to put together uh, his best game and, and for the Panthers to beat the Texans. Late afternoon action. Cleveland Browns visit the Seattle Seahawks. They're both 4-2. and two. DK Metcalf did not play last week. He had a rib situation. Looks like he's going to return for Seattle. For Cleveland, Jerome Ford, uh, he probably shouldn't try to play through his ankle injury at running back, but I think he's going to. Uh, and Kareem Hunt will be there to back him up. Be more P.J. Walker, a quarterback for the Browns. That whole situation with uh, Deshaun Watson is, is getting crazier and crazier by the week. Um so for this one, Cleveland is the dog. They are three-and-a-half-point dogs. So there's a hook there, but we're both going to take Seattle uh, and give the hook. Um, good to see the Seahawks' defense resurgent. It feels, feels like they should uh, continue that against the Cleveland Browns. They should suffocate them at home. Casey and Denver, uh, that's another divisional rematch. Chiefs are 6-1, and one, Denver's 2-5. and five. Uh, In week six on that Thursday night game where the Chiefs just dominated the Browns and beat them 19-8 as 10.5-point favorites. Uh, hashtag sarcasm. Yes, I know they didn't dominate them, but that was my lock, so uh, I have to say that. Uh, KC got the late field goal to cover. Uh, poor Nick Bolton broke his wrist, though, the Chiefs linebacker, so he's down. Uh, and this might be the first snow game of the year. We know they had snow in Colorado because the Colorado State football game yesterday, the fans were throwing snowballs at the opponents, so uh, we know there's snow around. We don't know if it'll be there uh, for this game. Uh, but the Chiefs are big favorites, seven-point favorites on the road at Denver. This is definitely going to be a first for us. How about the inverted lock? I don't know what that would exactly be called. I, I locked up the Chiefs on the first matchup. How about taking the opponent on the second matchup and locking them up? Why am I locking the Denver Broncos? against the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they can win the game. I wonder if Pat Mahomes doesn't force it as much to Travis Kelsey now that they're away from Taylor Swift and away from Kansas City. I think that will backfire. I think he should force it to Travis Kelsey because those other guys are not very good. Uh, So I think Denver is going to find a way to win because Casey is going to be a little off kilter because they're not in Kansas City and not around T-Swift anymore. So that's my rationale for that. You can take it and do what you want with it. Uh, Four games in the next two minutes. Can I get through them? Baltimore, minus nine and a half at Arizona. Great performance by the Ravens last week. They're now five and two. Arizona, one and six. One more start for Josh Dobbs. Ravens are the huge favorites, minus nine and a half on the road. Biggest favorites of the week. Um, And we're both going to take Baltimore, give the nine and a half. There might be some more fight in the cards, but that that, uh, Baltimore playing flawless last week kind of scares me because it will be so Ravens for them not to play flawless this week, but I'm still going to take Baltimore, give the nine and a half. Cincy and San Fran, uh, Cincy three and three, San Fran five and two out in Santa Clara. What the hell do you make of the Bengals? I don't know. Nobody knows. Uh, we know Brock Purdy is going to play. Uh, there was some question about him with uh, a concussion, but maybe not a concussion, but he's been cleared, but they still won't have Debo Samuel. Uh, Cincy is the five and a half point dog in this one. We're both going to take Cincy. They're, they're the Jekyll and Hyde team already of the year, but we're both going to take the points. They're coming off the bye, and maybe they'll give the Niners a fight. Sunday night is Bears-Chargers. I, the, the Tyson Bajan shit again. Chicago 2-5, and five, Chargers 2-4. and four. Bears are an 8.5-point dog out in L.A. Uh, Josh Palmer has a knee, so he might not be very effective for the Chargers, and yet still I'm going to take the Chargers. I guess I have a blind spot. I don't want – Tyson Bajan to have any more success. So I'm taking uh, LA and giving the eight and a half. Jay's going to take Chicago and probably laughing at the whole Bajan thing. 
Um, and Detroit and Vegas on Monday night. Detroit is a seven and a half point favorite. Uh, and we both got Detroit, and I have to get this in real quick. That's Jason's block of the week, the Detroit Lions, a minus seven and a half. I know we're in the after show now. Um, you know, Jimmy G's going to be back for, for Las Vegas from his back injury. Don't know how effective, of course, he'll be. Uh, and we know Detroit will not have uh, David Montgomery at running back again with his rib situation, but they seem to be uh, getting over that. They, they find guys who can run it for them. They're still 11th in the league overall uh, running the ball in yards per game. Uh, so I like Detroit. Uh, they, they both have to rebound from twin ass kickings last week, so we'll see who does that. Uh, I'll take the ankle biters. That That's the kind of game that they rebound from. They get embarrassed. They get blown out. Um, I'm sure Dan Campbell's been ripping them a new one all week, so that's why I got Detroit and given a seven and a half. I don't have him as a lock. That would be Jay. So uh, he's all over Motown in that one. Um, they don't have a lot of primetime games in Motown. They haven't had a lot of success, so I'm sure that atmosphere will be pretty crazy as well. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like the, I, I'm not crapping on Jay's lock at all. I definitely understand it. That's it. That's all our picks. I think I got them all in, in the live show. It was uh, thrilling uh, to be able to do that in one hour. Um, I don't want to do that all the time because that would be very uh, tiresome. Um, but I think I got through all the picks. I think I got through everything on the live portion. Uh, Jay will be scheduled to be back next week to recap week eight and get you ready for week nine. Um, we miss Jay. Hopefully everything is okay as they try to get back home. I didn't have a chance to mention uh, meeting up with them last weekend. The reason our show last week was on Thursday was because they were going to be driving through uh, from Friday all the way to Sunday, driving from their home in Wisconsin down to their uh, condo rental in Florida for their week-long vacation. They did stop here Saturday night uh, here in Memphis where I am, and me and my wife went there and met them uh, at Corky's Restaurant on Germantown Parkway. Shout out to Corky's. Uh, definitely in contention for best ribs in the city. It's Memphis, so there's a ton of places to get ribs if you're into ribs, but that's one of my top three places for sure uh, to get ribs, Corky's, and probably Central Barbecue and Rendezvous downtown. Uh, but we love Corky's. Uh, great ribs. Uh, banana pudding was weird this time. It was a, It's usually not that many vanilla wafers in their banana pudding They're usually a lot more banana and it's like I, I, this is really good but i wish i had a few more vanilla wafers this time it seemed like it was all vanilla wafers and hardly any banana so i don't know what the deal is with that it was still very very good uh the ribs are of course is always very very good got to see the kiddos uh cute factor one and two um man they are definitely growing uh they're delightful kids they're both very bright uh they're both very happy um their, their parents are, of course, uh, happy and, and watching them grow. And it was, it was great to see uh, Jay and his wife. Um, just a great time. Um, went exactly uh, as I thought it would go. Just three hours of hanging out and, and shooting the bull and having a good time. A lot of laughs, a lot of pictures. Uh, gave some gifts away to the to the kiddos. Gave them some cash. Gave the wife the uh, peanut butter M&Ms that I had. Uh, was eating on uh, when I first time I went up to their house uh, uh, when they were getting married. I flew up there and and they let me stay in their house. But um, I walked in the house uh, after she picked me up from the airport and saw a bag of peanut butter M and M sitting there on the table and just absentmindedly started just throwing them down my throat, just chomping the whole that probably eat half the bag, you know, without even thinking about it because I was hungry getting off the plane and you know before I knew it looked down and, and the look on her face was kind of. She, she was a little horrified because I don't think she uh, intended for me to be eating on her uh, peanut butter M&Ms. I think she had some other M&Ms that she intended for me to have, but I I didn't see those. I just saw the peanut butter ones. I just kind of like, whoa, and, and my, my vision locked in on those. But uh, So I finally was able to pay her back from that. I actually, in my mind, intended to bring a bag with me the next time I went up to their house, but circumstances have been such that I've never been able to get back up there since their wedding. So I just decided this time uh, to give it to her uh, when she came down. And she was uh, as surprised as I figured she would be because who remembers something like that and who thinks about that, you know, 10, 12 years later. But that's the kind of weirdo that I am. I think about that. I've uh, thought about it. I felt 
terrible about it uh, and, and was able to right that wrong, and I'm glad I was able uh, to do that. All right, I've rambled on long enough, and hopefully I've gotten you all ready for week eight as best as I could. Uh, so I think I'm going to skedaddle here. That's uh, that's an hour plus of me talking with hardly any break, well, a two-minute break, and then I have to the call. Uh, so that's it. Uh, for Jay, who was not here, uh, we'll be back next week. I am Dre. This has been, in much less detail, the podcast in even less detail than usual because we only had one person's detail and no opinions in detail and thought from Jay. But you do have his picks uh, that will go up on the blog shortly. Um, we're going head-to-head on Four games, five counting Thursday night. So uh, always good to get off on the right foot on Thursday. Uh, But four for the rest of today. Uh, And hopefully you're all ready to rock for week eight. And hopefully you're all ready for Tuesday, the big day. Yes, it's Halloween. I've been roped into bringing chips and dip for Halloween to my job. So uh, I've I've already uh, avoided a catastrophe because... I was only going to bring like two or three bags, and my wife was like, at least five and four things of dip. Uh, so, thankful that this is why I have a wife, because I don't know shit, because I'm a fucking idiot. Uh, so, hopefully, that'll all work out Tuesday. Uh, in any event, we will talk to you next week, week nine in the NFL, recapping week eight. Jay will be back. Everybody, enjoy your week of football and Halloween. <laughs>